Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 19. I almost said 18. 19 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. And we are just really excited to be both getting back in a routine. It's not technically fall yet, but we are both in our, you know, fall academic year routines now, and it feels good. And back to recording. And back to recording. We took a little little time off. Only one week off of actual episodes, but I think two weeks off of recording. Yeah, and it felt like a long time. I know. I kept getting, in fact, I think I texted you on vacation and was like, wait, how many episodes are we going to miss? And it was just one because we had doubled up. But I, right. it I felt missed, like a long time. It felt like a very long time. And I missed talking to you, Sarah. So one of our, one of our listeners said it felt like not a normal week without us. Oh, I it was very that's sweet. really nice. That is very sweet. Um, yeah, that that's that's nice to hear. And I have to say, we are both just getting it together. I am especially just getting it together. So we don't have a sponsor this week because, hey, I've been like checked out for like essentially the last three weeks. But you know, now I've got that rush of energy that you get at the beginning oh, yeah. of the school year. So we're going to hit this hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to Sarah now and she's going to introduce the Instagram segment and all that good stuff that she does. Yes. Do it, and Sarah. so today we are talking about um, our main topic is going to be oh, things. Gosh. That <laughs> I should have <laughs> mentioned that, right? That's all right. Um, things that we wish we would not have freaked out about as new moms. So we promised you guys who are newer moms who are listening, newer, we define newer as the first two, three years of motherhood. Um, we promised you some shows dedicated to kind of newer mom topics. And today we're going to be both sharing some things that looking back, we wish we would not have been so stressed out over. Um, and I think it's gonna be really fun. I think we have very different different oh, things sure. that we maybe not as different out as over. you think. I know we always say that and then we're like the same. Yeah. Um, and, but before that, I thought we'd catch everybody up on what we've been up to. And we like to do that through our Instagram streams because it's fun. And then we'll share those pictures with you guys at the If you go over to the show notes. So Megan, did you find a photo in my stream that caught your attention from the Can last I, I found two. Okay. 
So the first one is probably not going to take that long to talk about. So it was a letter, obviously, from one of your kids. Yes. From your secret admirer. Yes. Oh, yes. My secret admirer. I think in an early episode, we talked about how much we both love phonetic spelling. Like right. Yes. Learning. Yes. So and that I'm was... very bummed that Clara is almost done doing that with a lot of words. She hardly does it at all anymore. She got does she too spell smart. Them correct? Does she correct? She, you know what it is? She's too afraid to spell things wrong now. Oh, like that's She used to so not she... really care and she would just. Right. So now if it's a word she doesn't know how to spell, she'll ask for help. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll refuse just because I want to yeah. see how, how she would spell it on her own. Or she'll come up, well, she'll use a different word. Like she's a lot less, she doesn't oh, take as many risks anymore. Which, that's interesting. And I do think that's interesting. Kind of sad because she had the most adorable misspellings. But anyway, I, tell us about I, your misspelling. Yeah. So I got a little note from my secret admirer. I think it was spelled E-D-M-I-E-R-E-R. Like perfectly phonetic. Yep. <laughs> but it was handed to me in person. So it wasn't very secret. But um, that is, yeah, that was a cute one from my Instagram stream. So that was my seven-year-old, my yeah. second grader. I figured, but I didn't know if maybe Reed was a little bit advanced for... He, you know, he's a, he's a kind of an advanced reader, but he's not very interested in writing or spelling. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that That's, was like... It's not uh, always the same. It's not always the kids who like to read are not always the same ones who like to write. Right. And vice yeah. versa. So exactly. it's interesting. Yeah, that was cute. And, and the other one, of course, was Violet in her adorable, I want to say purple or is it pink cast? She had, she's had two already. Okay. So she fractured her elbow. Uh, let's see, the last week of August. It's been like three weeks. And um, in a bounce house, in a pile up of uh, her older Those siblings. Freak me out, like, man. That's like a metaphor for being the youngest. Right. <laughs> Everyone falls on top of you and you break your arm. Um, yeah, it was, I'll, I'll keep it a very short story, but it was very sad because we went to urgent care that day. We could tell it was, you know, not just a bumper bruise. Um, but the urgent care we went to was not great and they did do x-rays there and they came back and said the x-rays didn't show any fractures. So just to keep an eye on it and go see an orthopedist if it didn't get better, yeah. which it didn't. So she was, it was five days of walking around with what turned out to be a fractured elbow. And I've turned, I've since talked to so many moms who are like, Oh yeah, my kid had a broken leg for a week and we didn't know. So I don't feel so terrible about it, but now knowing that she was, and she did pretty well that week. I mean, but she just wouldn't use her arm. It was like a right. little broken wing. So oh. then at the orthopedic doctor, we got good x-rays, showed a fracture, luckily no surgery. So um, we were just back there today. Everything's healing well. So it could be as soon as two more weeks in the cast. But to all of you guys who've had small children in casts, this is my first. Three kids, no broken bones until this one. So it's, um, she's doing great with the cast, but some of the appointments with holding her still for x-rays oh and gosh. all that have been pretty traumatic. So That's terrible. Have Aww. you guys had any casts? No, you know, That's it's amazing. so funny. And I shouldn't even, I mean, I should be knocking all of the wood, I'm knocking <laughs> all, all of, of the, the wood, wood around me right now. All of, the wood. Um, all of it. I, we went a very long stretch without having any ER visits, like any. And then what ended up happening was I think Isaac was the one who set it all off. He split, <laughs> he split his forehead open when he was oh. about 10 on a granite countertop. Ooh, he and ow. Jacob were screwing around ow, in the kitchen, ow, ow. supposed to be doing the dishes. And all I remember is him coming upstairs with his hands over his head going blood, blood, <laughs> blood. And I was pregnant and had, I was, you know, all the kids were like under the age of 11 mm-hmm. and John was working out of town, but luckily my sister-in-law was there. So she looked at it for one, Jenna, she looked at mm-hmm. it because, that was the first thing I couldn't do. And, <laughs> and then she stayed with the kids while I drove them to the ER. But it was so funny because she just kind of glanced at it. And then she folded his hands back over, over it and just looked at me and shook her head. And, and I was like, okay, we got to go. So <laughs> she didn't freak out. She didn't freak me out. But it was like, yeah, you, this is, yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, that kind of kicked it off. And then after that, we had like a lot of weird things like 
the time that one of my kids who shall remain nameless, I thought was having, had to have his appendix out and it turned out he just had to poop, which he did in the ER and then came out and was like, well, all better. I mean, after he'd gone through this like battery of tests and everything, um, a couple of our kids have have their, you know, breathing just kind of goes to wheezing every now and then, like not every cold, but maybe once a year, a cold will just, and it's always like on a holiday weekend on a Sunday, I swear. So Yeah. So anyway, just stuff like that. But yeah. no, none of it has been cast or like a broken wing. And I, I never got a broken bone as a kid either. I, I didn't either. I had to ask them, like, what does this feel like? You right. know, because she she's very verbal. She's two and a half. But of course, thank goodness it wasn't worse. Surgery. So yeah, yeah little Violet in her broken wing. And she's like as crazy as ever. I think there's another Instagram in that stream the next day. She was trying to climb a tree and looking at oh. me being like, why can't, what do you mean I can't climb a tree? <laughs> I think that might have been so, when I was on vacation because I think Jenna yes, showed me that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so over to your last couple of weeks. I'm looking at all these great pictures, but the one I love is you and Clara fishing on the boat. So tell us about your vacation, your end of summer vacation. Yeah. So we did our, I would say this is our first real family vacation where it was not, had nothing to do with work because we've done a lot of travel and I've had a lot of great opportunities to do trips with the kids for right. blogging and stuff, but but, you know, it's different when you're traveling and you have a story to write or something. Right. You have to blog about it or something. It's different. Um, I would say it was our first real family vacation that was more than a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It was just our family. And yeah. we, it was the kind of vacation where we did nothing. Like we went, we got a cabin up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And we just hung out for six days. That's I all we it. just, the kids would just, and it was on this inland lake where the water was really shallow, far out. Um, and then there was this big sun deck overlooking the water. So I could be anywhere on the deck and oh, see so the whole great. lake. Cause it wasn't a very big lake and there were pedal boats and kayaks and canoes and like a little motorboat we could use. And did so you have good was, weather? It was fantastic. Oh, the weather so was beautiful the whole time we were there. Um, so the kids would just go out fishing every day with John and sometimes I'd go and sometimes I'd stay back and putter around the little cabin and, you know, yeah. um, sometimes I just lay on the deck and read magazines. It was fantastic. And so that picture was I think maybe our second to last night and at dusk, yeah. John took me and just me and Clara because he'd been taking oh. the boys out a lot. Right. But he took just Clara and I out and we fished and Clara, Clara caught one. I did not. Um, I'm not terribly how, pati- patient. How, yeah. I was going to ask how everybody did with fishing. Like, well, <laughs> the first three days were a total bust. We didn't, we didn't get anything. And all these other people on the lake were like, oh, this is the best fishing lake. You'll catch hundreds of fish. And we're like, maybe there's something wrong with us. But then the last day, John kind of figured out where to go on the spot and they were catching them so fast. I mean, they were just throwing them back. They were like catching, throwing, catching, throwing, catching, throwing. And then, um, we did try to like, the kids really wanted to eat one. So John Uh said, okay, you know, we have to fillet it and everything. And so we filleted one and that was enough for them. And then, so they took the rest and then let them all go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Clara caught one. I just, I like to reel. I mean, I Mm -hmm. like to cast and reel and the kind of I guess the kind of rod I was using, that's not the way or the bait or something. I don't know. So okay. I'm not really sure. You're, that's not the, what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just put it in and sit there. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's not really my – I'm a little more action-oriented right. than that. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking is even kids, like, in these day and age, yeah. things are – you know, you don't do a lot of pastimes where you just sit and wait. So I was Well, and when it was all – one time we all seven of us went out on this boat, and it was not that big. And so <laughs> John wouldn't let anyone cast unless he was – standing right there because it uh-huh. was that would have right. been a disaster if, and if two kids had tried to cast at once right. we would have all gotten hooks in our eyes it would have right. been terrible Hooked so john would go around 
piercings, try not to rock facial the boat. piercings that you did yep, exactly <laughs> try not to rock the boat too hard and then he would help someone cast and then we'd all sit there but that was fun because we we're all talking and i think that was the fun of it was just kind of sitting on a boat together talking and you know looking in the water and trying to figure out and, and all kids are different i mean some will sit there like owen will sit there till the bitter end Mm-hmm. And he'll keep going back. He's so, and then Isaac kind of lost interest after like a yeah. day. Like it was like, hey, when you find some fish, let me know. I I'll love be over that. here. So we <laughs> fished all day and swam. And then at night, the kids would play chess and checkers. And I um, love it. John would do what I like to call fire ranching. He's very into <laughs> building fires, and he would just he would start his fire like around five, and then basically just work on that <laughs> for the rest of the day. And we would just sit around the fire. It was fantastic. Best. I love it. That is yeah. great. Well, we'll share that picture and link to the whole rest of your stream. Um, and before we launch into our main topic, just if you are a newer listener, everything we talk about is at themomhour.com. This is episode 19. Um, and we'll put those pictures up and everything else we talk about in this episode at themomhour.com. So Absolutely. I'm glad you guys are back. It was I feel like we were cut off from each other for a while. I know. Maybe, but... it was kind of sad. And I, I had very little cell service, which was fantastic. I didn't need it. But yeah, it was a little frustrating because I wanted to upload pictures and stuff and I couldn't right. I couldn't make that happen. So but it was nice to be a little disconnected and Yeah, definitely. You know, very also, relaxing and I came back ready to hit the ground running for the school year. Yeah, I think we're all we're all ready. People's yes. kids are still trickling back in this second week of September, but I think everybody's ready. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. 
Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Um, All right. So today's topic, again, is things we wish we wouldn't have stressed out about so much when we were new moms. So I have no idea what yours are. I I thought we'd each do about three since we have a tendency to talk forever. Um, And yeah, just we've gotten a lot of emails from newer moms who I'm so thankful that they're loving the show because we have been talking definitely about more school age kid issues Mm -hmm. lately. Um, So this one is all for the new moms. And hopefully some of those more experienced moms will share your feedback with us too about things you wish you wouldn't have freaked out about. So do you want to kick it off, Megan, or do you want me to? I'm good. Well, I think that um, actually maybe our first one is the same. And I think it's something that everybody can relate to. Okay. Um, So your first one was breastfeeding, right? Yes. And specifically pumping. So okay. I'll, I'll share, I'll, I'll share. And yeah. then, yeah, maybe yours has a different slant. So, um, I went back to work after three months when I had my first baby. Um, but I was fortunate enough to work a 50% part-time. So I worked two long days in an office, full eight to five-ish days. And then I kind of flexed the rest of the halftime over the course of the week at home. So really I only had two full office days and two full childcare days. Um, to worry about. But the part of breastfeeding was fairly easy for me in the beginning. I mean, the usual like bumps in the road, but nothing too stressful. I liked it. I was committed to it um, and started like introducing bottles. And that went fine before going back to work, you know, everything by the book, like made sure she'd take a bottle. And But the pumping part was where I got a little bit hung up on the details. And you can probably laugh, Megan, because you know me and I am a details person. So I can sort of get like overly stressed about them sometimes. But I think with the pumping, the main thing I wish I wouldn't have stressed out about was how much I was producing in a day of pumping, Mm -hmm. how much I was sending to daycare, if that was enough for her. I mean, I'm I'm talking about like looking to the ounce level on what I was pumping and the ounce level of what I was filling up to send and trying to pump on the exact schedule of when she would really in real life, be right. having a bottle at daycare. And, if, you know, when you read the guides and those are the guidelines they give you, certain things I'm able to just kind of internalize and walk away from, but certain things I just got, and we all do this, got like married to those recommendations to an absurd degree. So I just remember feeling really stressed about producing enough. In the beginning, she was only three months. I was still producing a lot, but I would say after six months and she started a few solids and there's kind of that natural, I think, reduction in supply in that six to nine month mark, which would have probably been a sign that she was just drinking a little less or I was getting more efficient in production, but I was like so dead set on sending three, six ounce bottles to daycare. So 18 (laughs) ounces and like to the line, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing it in a day of work in three pumping sessions. So then I would try and make up over those other days I was home. And I guess that's a long way of saying it just, those ounces didn't matter as much as I thought I could have either sent less. I could have supplemented with a little formula I just could have asked daycare, like, hey, is it, you know, is she, hey, is she finishing, even finishing those bottles? Yeah, yeah. I guess it wasn't daycare at that first year. The yeah. second year it was daycare. It was my mom one day and then we had a sitter the other day. But anyway, so that's, I'm sure everybody could relate to something that they just fixated on to a degree that you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, like how much time did I spend trying to eke out, literally eke out like another ounce? 
So, well, I, you know, it's funny. Okay, so you know, you and I are very different when it comes to being that detail-oriented right. about things. But I was the same way about pumping. So okay. with my first, um, Jacob did not nurse easily. He was a little sleepy at birth. Like, he just didn't really latch. And I didn't really get a good chance. Like, I didn't get a good handle on it while still in the hospital. So uh-huh. by the time I got home, you know, he just he wasn't really – he just wasn't really kitting it hard. Um, wasn't really working out so great. So right. I started just pumping because it was easier and feeding okay. the bottle, which kind of sends you down this downward spiral because it's really, it's really hard to maintain your supply. Um, and you know, I think a hard part with that is you know how much you're making. So right. it's easier to obsess over it when exactly. you don't, when you're not, when you have nothing to look at, you're like, well, whatever. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so, and also the other thing was, you know, I, all I suddenly had this baby, I had a burst of energy. Um, cause I wasn't really a super tired new mom. I mean, I was 20 years old for one thing, for goodness mm-hmm. sakes, I could have been partying all night at that age and would have been okay. <laughs> um, but also I just suddenly had all this energy and this focus. And what I did was I obsessed about how many ounces I was able to pump. Mm-hmm. That's like where I, I put all of that energy right. into my, pro- my project was the pump. Mm-hmm. And so it took a long time. I think I pumped almost exclusively for like two weeks until he got a little more mature and was able to kind mm-hmm. of figure out nursing. And then it went it got much more normal after that. But for those first couple of weeks, first, you know, two, three weeks, I was, I had that, you know, they have those charts in the books mm-hmm. where they tell you how many ounces mm-hmm. a baby of what size mm-hmm. should be taken mm-hmm. during what time period. Mm-hmm. But again, like you might pump three ounces, but then the baby takes two and a half. Well, in a baby, a little tiny baby, like that half ounce right. is, it's a big, it's a lot of, it's a lot. I could have saved that to the next and added right. it in, but I'd be like, I felt like I had to have a fresh three ounce, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> supply. Well, they scare, every you, they scare you about, you know, the health concerns. Yes. About, and not that they, I mean, it's obviously good to know what milk is safe to save and yeah. all that, but that's another thing that's real easy to get obsessed over. You is know, it is. Well, and I will, <laughs> yeah. And I will say, I think that we're a little hyper um, vigilant about that a lot of times. Like, mm. I think that uh, honestly, and I, I have some issues with La Leche League um, materials in tone sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're terribly, they're always terribly reassuring as far as like, I think sometimes they make people freak out more than anything yeah. else. But I will say, I always appreciated how kind of like, they were like, look, you know, breast milk is like a living thing. You know, right. it can sit on the counter for up to eight right. hours. Right. So don't worry about taking that half ounce that's left over and mixing it in with the next feeding if it means your baby's going to be full and you're going to be able to relax. Right. I mean, it's just, it's not as big of a deal as we're all making it. And I, right. I kind of appreciated how they were a little more made it a little more easy to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, I mean, I, it was one of those things where it was so counter to my personality to do that in the first place. So it made me miserable to be like right. so on it like that. And so I'm really grateful with the rest, the rest of the kids. It just worked out that I never literally, I mean, I had pumps and I would use them like if I was engorged. Yeah. Um, but I never like after that. And, and also I think, I also, I think with, with future kids, I realized like, you know, unless it's a tiny little baby, like if I had to go someplace and my baby was going to be gone away from me for four hours, even mm-hmm. if at home I would have fed them after three, right? it was probably going to be okay. I probably right. didn't need to worry about pumping a whole three ounce right. bottle or four ounce bottle right. for that hour. Like, right. you know, their caregiver could probably figure out a way as long as they were a little bit older to make it yeah. okay. Yeah. So yes, all those things that were, the breastfeeding thing was a big freak out for me for the first baby. For yeah. sure. Definitely. I think that's a, that's a universal one. Mm-hmm. And we also did end up switching to formula pretty early. And actually I wish that I had been 
a little more relaxed on myself about supplementing. Mm-hmm. I do too. I was that so, first time when I was, I was so all or home. nothing about it yes, that when I too. first, when I first gave the bottle, yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, wait, what? I mean, I can go to the store. And it was, so then it's sort of like, I just, after that, it kind of went all bottle really fast. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. If, you know, so I don't know. And with the other ones, they never supplemented, but that's because they were easy. To, they were easy babies to nurse and it was never a big deal. So I think right. it depends a lot on your baby yep. and your, what you've got going on in your life besides parenting and, you know, and besides milk production. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not your full-time job. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I also think that my other my other babies, it would just became, um, when they started solid foods that just became, for some reason it didn't click in my mind. Solid foods is another thing that I stressed out about. I don't know if I'll get to that one, but, um, but if you have a baby who's kind of in the second half of that first year and they're eating some solids, that that's another way to buy you some major time, even if they still normally nurse every three to four hours. But if they are starting to eat, then they right. can have some kind of age-appropriate snack and go five or six hours. Right. I don't know. Those, those yeah. little like tweaks in the system did never occur to me. And I think that's maybe one of the things about your first baby. Is well, you, you don't feel like you're allowed to, you don't feel like you're allowed yes. to tweak. Exactly. You're not allowed to improvise yet. Right. <laughs> you because know? You, you know no different. And you, don't, right. you haven't yet realized that like they're fine. The yes. kids are fine. The then with the are... other kids, it's all improvisation, which is right. kind of fun. <laughs> kind of I love it. Um, okay, so what's your next one? Do you have a next one? I'm well, curious. I mean, I think there's like obvious ones with little kids. I think sleep for sure. Um, but it's interesting to me like how different the sleep thing has been for all of my kids. Okay. So for Jacob, um, you know, and I definitely leaned more toward like the attachment parenting sort of co-sleeping end of the mm-hmm. spectrum. Not necessarily at first from a philosophical uh, sense at all, but just because it felt more natural to me. It felt easier. It was what my sister did. She mm-hmm. already had three kids by that point. It just seemed like the right thing to do. But I was really obsessed with making sure Jacob slept in a crib. And part of that was because my mother-in-law stayed with us for like the first week. Okay. And so that was a big thing for her. And so we, I was like worried about it all the time, but then he'd fall asleep on my chest and I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, I have to get him in that crib somehow because he's not supposed to sleep on me. You know, um, that was something that gave me a lot of stress because he was a, he startled really easily. Mm. And so laying him down. And also we had one of those really low, I think we had like a porta crib. We lived in this tiny apartment and, you know, getting a baby into like a crib at ground level. Yeah. When they're easily startlers is almost impossible. Yeah. Because they're, you have to lean all the way yeah. and I'm postpartum. Right. So it's not right. like I'm able to really lean all the way down. I gracefully. can't do that. Like anytime. I have no, no. I know, back especially that. <laughs> so you know, it would be, so it just was kind of a big old cluster. And I ended up, I think at some point I just kind of gave up and said, screw it. I'm doing what I want to do. And it was totally fine after that. But it was like getting to that point where I gave myself permission to just do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the clincher. Now, when, interestingly, William, who was my third, um, I freaked out about him cause he slept too much. Mm-hmm. He slept like five hours at a time and it freaked me out. So <laughs> you just can't win. And I wasn't even new mom by this point. Right. I was just presented with an, something new. I'd never had a right. baby who slept. Right. And so I'd be, you know, sitting here, I'd be working in my house. Um, I do credit um, his napping habits with my writing career because that's when yeah. I was really getting off the ground. <laughs> and I really did a lot of work when he was a newborn because I'd be kind of just like resting in bed with my laptop in my lap and he's asleep and he would just sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep. And so, and finally I'm thinking, should I wake him up? I mean, is this a problem? Um, and then you've got still a good sleeper. I'm curious. He's a great sleeper and he'll, he'll nap. I mean, he, he knows when he's tired, he puts himself to bed. Yeah. He's taken a nap every day after school this week. 
Oh. And then he still goes to bed on time. I mean, he doesn't always want to go to bed now when I tell him to, but he's also right. really good about getting himself up. I mean, from right. birth, he probably he was good at regulating his own like, sleep. Really soundly, really like a quality sleep. Yes. Like he's just out and he, he just is like that kid. I mean, he's a little different from the other kids in that way, but he's just that kid who just needs, he knows what he needs. He needs to like hibernate mm-hmm. like a bear. And, um, <laughs> and then he wakes up pretty good in the morning. He's, you know, he gets him now. Okay. So he's now just to fast, fast forward all these years. He's now the earliest riser in the house because he's the middle school kid and he has, he's the oh. only one who has to take a bus. Okay. So he has to be on that bus by six. What? 645 or something. It's ridiculous. And with all the other kids, this was torture for me, middle school, because Mm -hmm. I would have to be like blasting them out of bed and it was terrible. I haven't even woken up until he's been leaving the last couple of days because I don't, he just gets himself up and he'll come to my room and say, you know, mom, you got to get up now because I got to get the rest of the kids up. But as he's leaving and he just says goodbye and he's on his way. So he's, he wakes up to an alarm. He's great. But when he's out, he's out. So he's just always been that way. Um, so anyway, that's just another yeah. thing. Did you also, was that one of yeah, well, yeah, so sleep is one of mine, but from a co- totally different place, not even the newborn uh, or like brand new baby stage. So um, those who know me will laugh, but I, I'm pretty like stuck on naps and bedtimes for a couple of reasons, just to defend myself. Um, I'm not a good night person myself. You know this about me. Yeah. So I get, I start to get tired when the kids get tired and if they if I, if my kids went to bed at nine or nine 30, I would have no time after because mm-hmm. I like to go to bed at nine 30. So that's one of the reasons I've always been a pretty much an early bedtime person. And the naps allow me, cause I've worked part-time from home since I left, since I stopped working outside the home and regular nap schedules from whoever's a toddler at that time or preschooler have allowed me a couple of hours a day to work, which adds up to, you know, 10 hours a week. And then right. I squeeze the rest in. So and it's just my personality. I, I thrive on that predictability and routine. So the caveat is I don't, I don't regret that a, a pretty regular nap and bedtime schedule worked for our family because it really did help me do a lot of things. It allowed me to work part-time. It allowed me to have time with my husband after the kids are in bed and my kids are naturally early risers. So it gets them the sleep they need. But I will say that I don't even think I'm over this. I think this is still something I wish I <laughs> didn't stress out <laughs> yeah. about, which is like 10% of the time there's an opportunity to keep them up late or to skip a nap or to have them nap in the car because there's something fun going on or life presents itself. And that 10% of the time is where I really still deal with like, you know, not major anxiety, but like it stresses me out. And mm-hmm. that I can look objectively and say, Sarah, that's just, just not that big a deal to keep them up late right. one night or to miss a nap. So again, it's kind of a case where there's a structure that helps. And then there's an adherence to the structure that makes you more stressed out than you need to be. So that one has yeah. always, and that's actually not, that was not a new baby thing for me because I always let I never felt comfortable with the idea of schedules for brand new babies, which is kind of funny because I then become very schedule oriented after say, I don't know, six or nine months when they start taking like two naps a day, which for my babies wasn't, they were all catnappers. Nobody was a good daytime sleeper. So they were all catnappers till maybe like closer to nine months. And when they were down to like two naps a day that you could predict is when I would have that moment with all three kids where I'm like, okay, well, if I can predict this, I want to use it to my advantage. And I would plan the rest of my day around two naps and then one nap. And I would not budge. I mean, I, I plan school pickups and social outings and work time, everything around naps. So that's okay. 
but I can, I could have always uh, stood to lighten up and can still stand to lighten up a little bit about like the 10% of the time when it doesn't go the way I want. Does that well, make sense? It's like, I know, it's like I know healthier you're food, right? You nap people, you crazy sleep people. <laughs> well, it's not crazy to me. I mean, I think that works for you guys. And I've, I honestly, looking back, I could have stood to be a little more structured about sleep for my own sanity. I think that for me, when they were really little, it, it didn't work for us for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think a lot of times I would miss the window where it would be a good time to start getting things more structured. You know what right. I mean? And so like kind of once you miss that window, you're really kind of fighting. Right. Right. <laughs> you're kind of fighting against the, against the tide. So it worked right. out fine. Some of my kids had more structure. Like Jacob's sleep was actually quite structured. He was the only kid. Right. So he took a nap at the exact, exact same time every day. Um, especially when I was pregnant mm-hmm. because I was tired too. Yeah. Um, and then as I had kind of had more and more, it's like putting the work in for each individual kid started to become a little confusing to me. And I just kind of got overwhelmed by it all. Uh, Clara right. was also on a very, a very regulated nap schedule because she was the last and because the other ones were old enough where I didn't really have to worry about what they were doing as much. Like they were in right. school or whatever. So right. I could dedicate what I needed to, to get her to bed. Right. Um, but I think when it was like that total chaos in the middle time, when right. I had all these small kids in the house right. and everything just felt very up in the air, it was a little touch and go there for a while. And I, I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I do think it's kind of like eating healthy food. If you're doing it most of the time and you, then it's okay to have a cookie at a party you know, right. or 10. Well, and at I think party. that's the place I didn't get to until probably this third kid, although yeah. I still have these tendencies, but I remember so clearly being at a family wedding when Allegra and Reed were four and two, not even four and two. So they were like three and one. And, um, we were with another family that had kids of similar, very similar ages. And of course we went to the reception and we danced a little, but I just got itchy. Like it's kind of like, and I'm sure people can relate if you're like me, it's honestly, I thought they were going to turn into monsters or pumpkins after 830 was like, (laughs) I couldn't handle, I didn't even know what would happen. Like, would they fall asleep at the table? Would they like start crying? Which is so funny because yes, maybe yes, probably. And who cares? But I never got to that Point of who cares and I remember this other family with like a preschooler and a toddler who and I we left because I couldn't you know I just couldn't bear the thought after a certain point we stayed for as long as we could and those kids were out till like 12 30 I found out and they were fine they were tired the next day but they were like at a barbecue so it's like right. I, I really thought like something would the world would end and I say that in an extreme <laughs> way for those of you who so the kids the kids are usually better than you think they'll be. You might pay for it for a day or two, but often that's worth it. You know, right. You have to make that judgment. Like, is this event worth the potential, you know, fallout tomorrow? Right. And sometimes (laughs) it is. And sometimes it isn't. And I, I guess what I'm saying is I wish I would have gotten to that point sooner where I saw that it just wasn't the end of the world. And I think like anything, if you practice that getting out of your routine, whatever it is, you just, you get better at seeing that, it, you know, the kids do fine. The kids, the, that sleep structure is good for kids. It's not essential. They, if they are getting enough sleep in the bigger picture overall, right. it just doesn't matter if they go to bed late one night. So I'm saying right. that to you all, but I'm saying that it didn't. You're saying I, that, it to yourself as well. <laughs> yeah, it never really clicked for me. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. 
Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, you and I talk a lot about what a great bonding experience it can be when families explore hobbies together. And that makes me think of our sponsor, Carnegie Hall Kids. Carnegie Hall Kids is a free website for kids ages 5 through 12 to learn about music through fun games and quizzes. And they have so many online resources that can help facilitate music education as a family. So if music and culture are of value in your family, I think this is such an easy way to explore that. Yeah. Before we started working with Carnegie Hall kids, I knew about Carnegie Hall because of all the famous artists who have performed there over the last, you know, 100 years or so. And now I think it's so great. They're making all that incredible music and history accessible to kids all over the world for free. Yeah. And with summer break around the corner, moms are always looking for some guilt free screen options to offer their bored kids. I would suggest Carnegie Hall kids interactive musical explorers around the world map. It teaches kids different musical traditions like Vietnamese folk, cumbia from Colombia, bluegrass and jazz from the U.S., and a lot more. Yeah, that map is really fun. Well, listeners, whether you're looking for music education you can do as a family or for your kids to explore independently, start the musical journey early and go to kids.carnegiehall.org to check out fun, child-friendly games and quizzes. Well, you know, Sarah, I think that you're also, you're, you're emerging from that new mom period of your life. And I think because all of your kids are getting older at the same time, I mean, hard hard to believe, huh? Yes. They're all getting older, not just, not just the baby. Um, when you and I were at that barbecue together, I remember you saying something after that about how it was the first time you were at like a big gathering where you really felt like you didn't have to work the whole time. Right. Like the kids were just kind of doing their thing. And obviously Violet still needs some amount of supervision, but it's, it's, or they all do need some amount, but she still needs a fairly hands-on, but it didn't have to be you actively parenting the whole time in that way. And so when, I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but when, when Clara walked up and asked, yeah, can I have as many, like she was trying yeah, to get can I have whatever treats. I want. Yeah. She's like, she kept asking, and my kids are really good about asking permission, sometimes too good. Cause I'll be like, yeah, you don't have to ask me, you know, for an apple, have a strawberry. Go, yeah. yeah, go have a strawberry. But she comes up and she's like, can I have a cookie? And I said, yes. And then a couple, you know, 15 minutes later, we're all hanging out, having a good, good time. You and me and uh, yeah. Brian and John are talking, having fun. And she comes back up. Can I have a cookie? Can I have another cookie? And I kind of put her off for a minute and then answered her. She's like, well, you know, can I just have as many as I want? Yeah. Like she can was, whatever she was just yeah. preemptively trying to just get the skip, blank check, just like yeah. skip over this whole process. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, we're leaving in half an hour anyway. You can have whatever you want. So <laughs> it was, it was kind of funny, but it was just, I think when you have a six-year-old, you can do that. Right. You know, when you have a two-year-old, maybe that's just a recipe for disaster. Kind right. of the same thing with sleep. Like yes. if you had a one-year-old who, if they don't fall asleep at 10, will be up screaming in a hotel room all right. night, then maybe you don't have the same leeway you right. would if you had a four-year-old or a three-year-old right. who can right. kind of just deal. 
And yeah. you know what I mean? So I think that there's a lot that goes into play when you make that decision. And I certainly, I certainly don't ever, even though I was at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I don't ever think it's weird when people, you know, we don't want to leave because their kids need to sleep. Right. I do get a little, I do get a little, um, I think there's a smug way of saying that you're a stickler about sleep and there's a smug oh, way that people yeah, say it. there's a smug way to deliver. Kind of implying that nobody else is and everybody else sucks. And I don't right. like that so much, but you know, you, people can well, be smug about it. I'm not, I don't think no, I'm you've never come I fully off as own that it's my own neurosis. <laughs> that I'm you've never come off as smug. I just think there's a funny way. There's a, there's a certain way that parents can be about a lot of things. And sometimes the, we choose to do this can come across just as, Hey, well, this is what we do. And sometimes it can come across as like, mm, you know, we're really sticklers about sleep in our family. Right. That's really important to me. Really implying to me. it's yes. not important to you. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> no. And I think like, the last thing I'll say on this is that, um, I was so tired for so many of those years right. that there wasn't a lot of fun opportunities that was worth any of the hassle for me. Does that yes. make sense? Like, oh, yeah. I didn't want to be up till 10. I also didn't want to deal with a cranky kid the next day because I didn't have the bandwidth to enjoy those non-kid hours or those non-hands-on. So now that, like you say, I can go to a barbecue and everybody plays and I can socialize and right. this day will come for you too someday, new moms, um, then I can make those choices and accept the consequences because I just, I just have, I'm less tired. Yeah. End of story. <laughs> I remember actually there was kind of like a moment I had a revelation when, and I am the person who wants to close the party down every time. I am the overstayer. <laughs> I'm the last person gone. I mean, not every time, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I just don't want to go to bed. I do, I'm having a good time. I do not want it to end. So I remember being really frustrated when not so much Jacob, he was just the easiest baby, like all that stuff. You could just right. throw him in a corner and he would play and then fall asleep. It just didn't matter. But Isaac was tough. And I remember being at a family gathering and he probably really needed to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and it was getting later and all the adults and I was, it was my sibling. So I was on the younger end of adults, you know, mm -hmm. but it was all my brothers and sisters and my dad and whoever else was there wanted to play cards. And I was, I wanted to play cards. So I sat down with him in my lap and, you know, he's grabbing cards out of my hands right, and like, right. it was so I played one round and I thought, this isn't even fun. Right. Why am I doing this to myself? Like, this is not a good time. I'm going to go see if I can put him down. And so I went and laid down with him and then I fell asleep. And actually the next day I was really glad I had just gone yeah. to bed. It was, yeah. I kind of had to realize that sometimes it's just not the night for me. Right. And, and with a toddler, it's not fun to try to play cards if they're the kind right. of toddler who grabs everything out of your hands and then wiggles and wants down and wants back up. That's right. Like, what are we losing? You know, I'm making right. him lose out on his sleep. I'm losing out on my sleep for something that's not even fun. Right. That's so. funny. You and I are perfect compliments in this scenario because I'm the one who is like, peace out. I'm going to See, I would have just given you I Isaac and people, you could have gone I up and slept. I people who are like, no, you're staying out. Right. <laughs> you're a grown yeah. up. Like, okay. I've done, that. I've done that to you once or twice. <laughs> yeah. That's good. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's move on. Do you yeah. have another one? I have a couple more. But... I have a couple more. I'm not sure if we'll get to them both. This yeah. one I'm going to say is kind of silly to think of it as something that you would, one would obsess about. But I think that it actually, it goes along with baby equipment and hmm. what are you going to put your baby into? Okay. And by that, I mean, what stroller system are you going to get or what sling are you going to get? And the thing about not so much with stroller people, although that can be very confusing because there's so many kinds, sling people, like hardcore sling people uh -huh. can be very um, strident. <laughs> Did you run into this at all? 
You know, I didn't because I was not really in those attachment parenting circles in the beginning, yeah. although I kind of read up on the philosophy. So I didn't know. I, so I let me not... let you in on this. And, yes, part, and, and also keep in mind that when I first was sort of introduced to this world, it was a pretty new concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't just get slings anywhere. You couldn't just right. buy them. You had I mean, to be in the They had to be ordered online or like these specialty boutiques. <laughs> it was a counterculture. Yeah. And you could recognize other sling moms. You know, it wasn't a fashion accessory. Like if you saw another mom at the store or at the zoo or whatever with a sling, you were like, oh, you know, right. we're in the same club. Right. Um, so with Isaac, I got a sling. It was great. I totally was sold on how easy it made thing, getting things done, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He was a huge baby. And within a couple of weeks, my back started hurting. Mm-hmm. And so then, and at this time we didn't have a lot of money. And so I went online and was trying to find out like what my options were. And people were recommending all these different slings. But the thing that I thought was the the thing that freaked me out about it the most was how critical people were about how I was slinging him. And so it was my fault. I wasn't doing it right. And I actually remember Mm -hmm. getting into like a little bit of an internet scuffle later. I think this was when (laughs) when William was a baby um, about, you know, if you complain about your back hurting when you're using a sling, basically it's because you're not doing it right. And I was like, you know, here's the thing. I'm on my third big baby. And I'm telling you, at some right. point, right. it doesn't feel good anymore to right. sling. I can, I'll do it for a while, you know. Um, I'll do it if it makes sense. Like if we're out someplace and like it just makes it easier for me, or it's like a quick trip. I was never mm-hmm. one of those moms who wanted to lug around the car seat. I always would right. end up with bruises on my legs, and right. I think that's bad for right. your back. And it's, you know, I get why people do it every now and then, but for me, it was like, why am I going to take this yeah. thing out of my car? Like, why don't I just take the baby out of the car? So I get that. I get that it makes a lot of sense to have a carrier. Um, and also people who are like, there's like factions. Mm-hmm. So I have an Aragó, which I loved. Right. But there are people who don't believe you should put your baby in anything that spreads their legs out. Right. Yes. That's a I big did, thing I, too. I kind of started to tune into this like years later, like with the yeah. third kid. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all these factions who believe different things are right. Mm-hmm. And I got really, I spent a lot of money and I got really like obsessed with it for a while only to realize that I have monster babies and I have tight shoulders. Mm-hmm. And that combination does Mm -hmm. not always work for a day of slinging your baby. You know, you're Mm -hmm. by the time they're my babies, by the time they were a few months old, were like 15 pounds. Yeah. So put that with the, you know, I have, um, I always carry tension in my shoulders. Like if I go get a massage, that's the place where like, holy crap, like, what is this not? It would start to ache. And then I would start to do that hunched over thing. And it didn't matter how many times I adjusted them. I tried different slings. I know Mm -hmm. people are at home going, but did you try? No. Yes. I tried that one. Whatever one you're about to say, did you try? I tried that one. I tried different rap styles, blah, blah, blah. It just didn't really feel good anymore. The funny thing is with Clara, I just never, like I had a sling, but I think it was packed away. I never found it. And I just never used it. And I think she was the most carried baby of any Mm -hmm. of them. Because when I stopped worrying about like having to have this accoutrement to carry mm-hmm. her in, I just carried her. Mm-hmm. And then I also had older kids that they, they carried right. her as well. We never right. even bothered to And nobody anything. else that you were probably Right. And nobody and else I was carrying no didn't, have a, right. didn't have a toddler um, at, at the time. And so the only stroller I ever bought with her was an umbrella stroller, which half the time would carry, would hold the stuff and some right. would be carrying <laughs> yeah. her. Um, so it's just funny to me, like how much I freaked out about it now. Don't get me wrong. I think slings are fantastic. I think right. baby carriers are great. Like, I love having little babies close to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very nurturing, warm thing. I love it. I think a lot of times there's no reason to have to deal with these huge stroller systems that right. cost, you know, right. hundreds of dollars and are bulky and blah, blah, blah. Love slings, especially for newborns. But it's something that I spent a lot of time freaking out about. Yeah. 
And I was, and I listened to other people when they would say, no, your back doesn't hurt. Well, I, I was going to say that's <laughs> the way bigger, the way bigger issue that you pointed out, which is when somebody else is saying this should work, mm-hmm. this should work for you. And that yeah. can be applied, whether they're saying that completely rudely or just kind of implying it. That, yeah. I mean, that happens with everything, right? With sleep training, oh. with breastfeeding, with Yeah, so for another, uh, another example of that, of the this shouldn't, was um, breastfeeding with three of my babies. I had terrible nipple pain, and they were older babies. Like these were, right. um, or like subsequent babies. To Jacob, I had none. With the next three, it was terrible. And it was not my latch. Mm-hmm. But people would yeah, say it shouldn't say. If you're doing hurt. it right, it won't hurt. Nope, sorry. It yeah. just hurt. They had a really, they were really hungry, large yeah. babies. You know, um, Isaac was nine pounds, 12 ounces. William was eight, nine. His, it hurt a little less with him actually. And Owen was 10 pounds, one ounce. Ooh. They came out hungry. Yeah. And they had like barracuda mouths. <laughs> yeah, they were, cheeseburger. And so they just kind of did a little wear and tear. It's yeah. fine. I mean, it toughened up and after a while it was fine. Right. It's worth it. But to be like crying in pain and have someone right. tell you it shouldn't hurt. Right. I get why people do it because- it usually shouldn't be excruciating. There should right. be a way around. Right, and if you catch it. a latch problem right. early, you can exactly. definitely minimize that. I right. agree. I think there's some soreness that is inevitable for some people and some babies, even yeah. with the correct latch. And if you have more sensitive skin, I've even heard like redheads and fair people are more oh. likely to have it and stuff. It was definitely my experience, and it's just really invalidating to be told that you're wrong. Yes. So, and, yeah. and sometimes all you need to know is, you know what? It's going to hurt for a little while, but here's a few things you can do to make it better. And if you just stick with it for a week, it's going to get better or whatever. And I think having having a a variety of different people around you, I mean, you've talked about kind of the attachment parenting online groups that you are a part of, and that's, you know, a little bit of a hive mind in one scenario. Or if you're only consulting, say, like the mainstream books and your pediatrician, that's going to be another... Belief system, and I think um, I, I lucked into kind of having a pretty good variety cross section of people around me in that first year, which does mm-hmm. really help because the sooner you can realize that there's many shades of normal, the the more confident you get in sort of trusting those those instinct, quote unquote instincts. Does Absolutely. that make sense? Like if you're yeah. only around one opinion set or belief system, it's just really hard to to do anything that goes against it, even when it feels right. Whereas if you, if you surround yourself with kind of a variety, it's easier. Maybe. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think for me, because so much of this stuff was still so very divided up and kind of underground really. Mm-hmm. And I was doing so much of my reaching out on the internet. I was doing, you know, most of my socializing with other moms at that mm-hmm. time was via not even really blogs. This was even before blogs. It was forums and chat rooms. Um, I just sort of wound up and we can have an article I wrote that we can, mm-hmm. that we can link to where yes. I, I fell in with a, uh, I don't even know. I fell in with a radical group of attachment yeah. parenters and it just, it, I'm still friends with a lot of them now and we've all mellowed out a lot. Um, <laughs> it, they're good people. We all just, it was a, it was a very toxic environment we created mm-hmm. for ourselves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. based on the best of intentions, right? Everybody just wanting to do their best and it just turned into an ugly stew. Right. <laughs> so, I love so it. yes, yeah, it is funny to me that slinging sure. would be something that I worried that much about because now I think they're seen as just kind of like practical items or like right. accessories, but then it was like a lifestyle choice. Right. It made a statement about the kind of parent you were. Right. Right. And, um, yeah. 
A lot of anxiety. Okay. What was yours? Other one. (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay. So I'm going to do a quick one because we've used up a lot of time. I have a couple more, but um, this one I think is funny because this is an example of something that has already in the very few years that I've been a mom completely changed in terms of what doctors and um, pediatricians are recommending. So that's just so another point of all this is that things change and the things that you try to adhere to when you're trying to stick to the rules change anyway in 10 years. Um, and that is starting solid food. So that's another, I won't even go into it because I wouldn't say it stressed me out at an emotional level. Like I wasn't worried about it, but it was something that I really tried to follow all the rules. And at that time, just a few years ago, the rules were, you know, you start at between four to six months. I was always at the six month end of that. And you do vegetables first and you do one every three days or no, you did the cereal. So, which none of my babies ever liked the cereal. Um, anyway, and you were very careful about, um, introducing one food at a time, mm-hmm. um, every th- waiting three days to see a reaction. So now, and you listeners can totally just come at me if I'm wrong, but I believe it is more and more mainstream pediatricians are now saying basically anything is okay, except honey, like right. as soon as they're ready for some, like anything, there's no stages anymore. Yeah. And, and I think we're in flux. So I don't, I'm painting this with a way broader brush, but in general, and I have a niece who's nine months and my other baby friends, they're saying, I think the age of starting is, I don't know that that's changed too much, but in terms of how you introduce and being so careful about um, what order foods are introduced, it's like, it's all gone to the other. I feel like the age of starting has definitely gotten older for Uh more, for more doctors. I wouldn't say that's definitely, maybe the AAP hasn't adopted that yet, but I feel like at least from when Jacob was a baby, it was more like, you know, around four months of people were doing it earlier and often doctors were recommending. Right. And then it was sort of the, the, um, exclusive breastfeeding right. extreme was waiting longer. Right. Kind of. And maybe that's become, but I, I'm, you can give babies peanut butter. I mean, yeah. peanut butter, they were telling me to wait till two at one point yep. they were saying to wait till two, which I never did, but I, we don't have a history of allergies and obviously peanut allergies are no joke, but it's just so funny to me how quickly that has Well, and they keep changing their minds about whether early exposure is better or worse. I mean, nobody knows. That's the thing. Nobody knows. It's amazing. So anyway, that one, I I I didn't keep myself up at night, but I did try very hard to stick to those those staged introduction. And again, because I can get bogged down in details, it was like, okay, it has to be three days of the same type of food. And let's see, did we try, do we have enough peaches to last three days? And if not, can I try green beans? Like it just is so silly. And now it's like, throw food at him. Yeah. Just so, give him something. That's anyway. so funny. And I, uh, when Jacob was a baby, you know, this is like, um, back in the middle ages, um, it, they were still recommending rice cereal. Uh-huh. I mean, do that even, is that even a thing anymore? Well, rice cereal? Lager was a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed I mean, that was, what, that was the thing you were supposed to feed your baby was rice cereal. Yeah. And babies don't want to eat that. No. Especially when they're four months old, they don't want to eat right. crap. They can't even sit up they yet. They can't sit up. So- I know. No, that's not, I don't think that, I mean, I think that is still is still but is probably getting less, less. so, so oh there's my gosh, not we're really a whole lot of nutrition like in it grandmas now but if you are a new mom with an early solid feeder just know that whatever rules they're telling you you know barring major family history of allergies your your, your kid's probably gonna be okay yeah I'm, I'm glad that they're now just saying let them eat what they'll eat it's well, so and, I, and also I think at the time they were really big on it when Jacob was little, they were really big on iron supplementation. If you weren't breastfeeding, cause there's mm-hmm. not iron in breast milk, which I always thought, well, if it's not there and you know, nature made it probably a reason for that, but right. then you, they would want you to use supplement. They would want you to use, um, cereals that had, right. in, that were enriched in some way. Right. 
And I just think when you're just eating like one thing as like a huge part of an infant's meal, that's not a complete food, like not right. breast milk or not formula. Right. It, it can't just be rice cereal. There's nothing right. in it. Right. <laughs> it's just rice. So yeah, I, I definitely, I was way more afraid about that with the first. Right. Um, with William, he was like five months old. I was planning on holding off on solids till he was six. Mm-hmm. And I was holding him in my lap eating like Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. And I looked down and he was eating it. <laughs> Like mashing like potatoes and turkey in his face, and I thought, well, I guess we're starting solid. I guess foods. we're what starting solids right what now. So you get, to, get to some interesting diapers, foods. but that's awesome. Yeah, that's one I think I got way better at with each progressive kid. Other things like the sleep one, I don't feel like I ever really relaxed, but but that one definitely, it's like a first kid. You you spend the first few weeks and months getting down the bottle or the breast. Right. And then all of a sudden you have to, then there's this whole new system. That was very stressful. Well, and it's a big thing. I mean, when you have a baby and all they do is sleep, eat and poop. Yeah. I mean, each of those things is pretty important. Right. And so being able to feed your kid is a big deal. Um, I think we just kind of realized that they can thrive and eat a lot of different things. And that, and and I think that the changing recommendations is probably one of the most eye-opening things. Like everything is always in flux. And I had always heard that this was the first one to have such a big swing. I mean, it would be almost the equivalent of sleeping on your back, sleeping on your stomach. Like this seems like such a big flip in the amount of time that I have been a parent. So if someone came to me and asked about introducing solid foods to your baby, what I did would have been completely opposite basically in the span of eight years, seven years. Yeah. So, well, it's kind of, uh, it's frustrating, but it's a little reassuring too, right? I, yeah, I do think ultimately it's, it's a great, it's a great thing to know that whatever you're clinging to may or may not stick. So if it doesn't feel right, that's as good a reason. Just do what you, you want and wait a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a couple of resources I wanted to bring up since we're, you and I are aging or we're dating ourselves a little bit with oh some of gosh, these in yeah. a few years. I don't even um, want to tell you the last parenting book I read that has because it'll make me seem like I'm ancient. So don't ask us for advice, obviously. Yeah. No, um, but Rookie Moms are a couple of our blogger friends at yes. rookiemoms.com, correct? It is a yep. dot com. Um, and Heather and Whitney are, have a great resource. I, I always recommend that to new moms and on everything, really practical stuff. And also just things to make you feel better in those new mom years. Um, and another really fun thing to read is over at uh, cup of Joe, Joanna Goddard's blog. And she does a series on motherhood around the world. And it's fascinating because one of the things that I think helps in all of these things we're talking about when you're wondering about doing it right is reading about how people do it all over the world. And I'm not saying you throw out your books and start parenting like a Danish mother or whatever, but I, I personally think it's fascinating to read the differences culturally in yes. having babies. And this series is really well done. So it's, they're always, um, let's see, are they interviews or essay? I think they're kind of interview style where they answer similar questions. And so she's had um, posts uh, with mothers all around the world. A lot of them are expats, so they maybe have had a Western upbringing, but are now raising babies and children in another country everywhere, all around the world. And it's such a great way to get perspective on, you know, what's the same and what's different and what some of these things, you know, mean in the big, in the grander scheme. And it's just, it's really interesting reading. So I'll link to both those things. Do you have, does anything come to mind for you? Sarah, have you seen the movie Babies? Yes. I, I watched I, that with the kids. It was like one of the most fun movie 
family movie nights we ever had. I actually saw that in the theater and it was in that phase of time where I think it was the only thing I went with my mom and I think I was pregnant with my second or maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't know when I, but um, it was one of the only times I went to the theater in like a five year span was to see a documentary about movies because I was living. It was, we all laughed. I mean, it was so funny and charming. Um, but also it's just like that. I mean, you see these four different babies being raised in four different cultures. And I want to say the one that I, was it Thailand? Where was the ones, you remember the ones where the yeah, mom and dad jump on the motorcycle with the newborn and the toddler <laughs> yes. and they all yeah. just ride away on this motorcycle after the baby's been like playing with goats all morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's and then just... when almost got stuck. Oh no, they're on... Mongolian. I think I don't remember. Anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. I think Mongolia sounds right. I was gonna... Yeah. Yeah. Um, remember he almost got stepped on by the cow or the horse or yes. something? You like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. Baby. And there was these two little babies, like toddler sized babies um, that I want to say, were, I think they were in some African country and they mm-hmm. were like messing with each other. So like one of them had a toy, but the toy was like a, a gourd or something. And the other one wanted it and was like kept stealing it when the other one's back was turned. And they were just, it was just so cute. And it was like, it just gave you this context that like we all parent differently, but babies are all the same. Yes. They all do exactly the same. Like these yeah. two little brothers were just messing with each other. And then the smaller one starts crying because he can't get the gourd away from his brother. And I mean, it was just, it was fascinating. And I loved, I think that that is like family. I might watch it again, actually. Yeah, that is. I'd love to see it again. With the kid, Like we watched it with all of our kids and we all really enjoyed it. So yeah, that's um, a great one. We'll link to that. We'll link to that too. Oh my gosh, this has been so fun. I feel this like has we been really wrap fun. up. I also, I want to say though, I feel like there's a potential part two in here, especially if we hear from our listeners. So um, more experienced mom listeners, I would love yeah. to hear from you at the, at the momhour.com. You can leave a comment on this post or email yes. us. And um, we really covered like newborns. I did at least. Yes. So I, you know, we could definitely cover like a more toddlery. Yeah, because I feel like if those of you out there who are like us and you're past the intense early years, share some more things that you stressed out over and maybe didn't need to, we really could do a part two. We could read some of your responses. And then new moms, please do email us and let us know what you're thinking about and what you're facing and if this helped or if we just made you worry about more things. Oh my gosh, I hope we didn't do that. I hope not because I think think the message here is we did a lot lot of different ways and you know, oh, it all turned out pretty good. So, oh, good. um, so you can always email us hello at the and, um, leave a comment on the post for these show notes, which are at the episode 19. Um, anything else you have to wrap up? I think that's it. We'll be back next week because we are back to our weekly schedule now. So yes. And we'll be back with episode 20. That wow. sounds official. Yes, it sure does. We'll do something special. All right. Thanks everybody. Yep. Have a good one. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Tease Made. 
I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. 